Okay, I have a prediction right now that this is going to be one of the top podcasts out there. I already know it, so call it now. You're the first one. You're the first quote, so we're going to put that on and and go from there. But it's it's it, no, it's two quotes. It's Shays, and then right above that, it's Pete Carroll. I do not want to come on your show. I love the Pete. fact that I'm in the same sentence with Pete Carroll is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> everybody and welcome to how the fuck did you get that job the show where two not so interesting guys ask interesting people one question and then interrupt them as they try to answer it joining us today is shay dawson shay is intern with iconic brands like five-star basketball adidas and the nba summer league from there she coached in top respectively at windward school and turning point school before moving on to become the manager of player programs and team services with the philadelphia 76ers today shay is the director of athlete and community relations at overtime Shay, welcome to the show. And how the fuck did you get that job? Woo! Crazy. Uh, man, I think really how sports in general starts is by relationships, right? So just talking to people and, and just talking in general and wondering what people do and trying to figure out how you fit into their circle. Um, and how I got my job at Overtime is I created my job based on what I knew about the, the space, which is athletes and families and pretty much is what I know about people and human behavior. And uh, so I went to an event at Overtime, uh, well, at, in, in New York called The Takeover. Um, and The Takeover, they had boys and girls, top athletes. And what I loved about the experience was that everybody was treated the same. The kids were like, superstars the girls were superstars the boys were superstars you know they had a really cool experience they went to like Atlantic Records they got to spin a couple tracks they got to be on cool like uh transportation the parents were well thought about you know my god brother Mikey Williams was a part of the experience so I was part of the family experience so I got treated really well and I finally for once in the in the sports industry got to be a part of the experience versus like planning it you know, or being on that side of it. So it was super cool to, to suck that all in. And I said, yeah, I want to be a part of this team. I went back and took some field notes, some pros and cons of things that I loved. It was way more pros and cons. The only con was that it was in New York and I lived in Philly, but I was like, I don't care. I'll figure it out. Then I put a deck together of all the things that I could offer coming from the NBA, coming from the grassroots world. Um, and then I sent my, I sent my resume to Spencer. And how long, how long was that deck or how long, like, it was about 12 pages. Um, okay. The first part was just about Shay and uh, what I love about basketball, what I love about um, athlete development, human development, and people, and kind of how I have this inside-out model um, about how I attack people from the inside out. Uh, I get to know them from the inside out. And uh, they loved that. That was a different take on just athletes in general and that it wasn't about sport. But eventually it's always about sport because if you can affect someone positively, the outcome is always you know, positive and, and fruitful. So yeah, so they like, this is different. We love you, Shay. Uh, let's have a conversation. We had a few conversations and then we kind of figured out how we can work together. And, and it, it wasn't easy. I mean, we, we kind of went back and forth on, you know, what would your day-to-day look like? You know, what would this look like? And then we kind of came to an agreement and it's been a marriage ever since. So, That's yeah. great. And what, was being in Philly really important to you? It is really important to me. One, because uh, my boyfriend lives in Philly. Um, he has a daughter who also lives in Philly. So I wanted to still have that family environment. And I knew since uh, working in New York would be crazy. I still wanted to have a, a healthy life balance. Uh, New York, I mean, um, Philly is very, um, 
it's very small. Like I can get to Jersey, I can get to Delaware, you know, I can get to DC super quick. And so I like that access, all those, uh, those places. And I just felt like a train right away. I could do that. You know, mm-hmm. I felt like it wasn't too bad. So, and I knew New York was super expensive. So also that. Yeah. Where did the idea of just creating this whole deck come from? Like, did you get a graphic designer involved? Like where, what was square one when starting this like kind of manifesto? Uh, I wanted to leave the NBA. Um, I think I was coming from a place of like, I'll, I'm just going to leave. I, I wanted to leave the NBA one because I only was confined to working with the team, you know, working with NBA players, but I have a passion for all people. I have a passion for all athletes and sports and kids. And I saw our, um, overtime is that opportunity. So I was kind of in a place where I was like grappling with myself. Like I, I love it here, but I don't, kind of don't, I can't, I can't, um, this isn't my mission. My mission is to help all athletes is to help, you know, mainly black athletes, you know, transition during the game and then after the game. Cause that's, that's where I saw the discrepancy. And so that was my mission. And I couldn't carry out that mission being in the NBA. There's so many rules, you know, tampering and this and that. And, and there's just so many things that could be perceived as, you know, me not doing my job. And so I, I wanted to find a way I wanted to get out. And I think from that desperation of wanting to get out, I was like, there's no job out there that's going to fit what I want to do and my mission. So I have to create it. And so I created a couple jobs, even for other NBA teams, because I was like, well, maybe if I can't let the Sixers know what I really want to do. Maybe somebody else will hear me from the outside coming in. Because obviously, I already made my impression within the organization. I thought maybe from coming from the outside in, like somebody else would be like, you know what? We never thought about that. And so I made like a job description for the Suns. I made a job description for the Clippers because I knew those. I knew um, employees at that at that at those places as well. And so, but then my heart was just telling me the NBA is not where I needed to go in order to carry out this mission. And maybe I'll come back to the NBA later on. Um, but I knew I needed to do a lot more work and build more credibility in order to, um, for people to understand what I'm really trying to do with athletes. And when you were looking at going over, I mean, it's, it's crazy because overtime has just grown so quickly. And it's so like, even like the difference between overtime now and the difference between overtime six months ago is crazy. But like, was that a scary jump being like, you know, the NBA, this really like, you know, iconic defined brand, the Sixers and making the jump to overtime who maybe at that time was like, you know, it's a smaller startup vibe. Uh, I knew about overtime way before I knew I wanted to work there, but I didn't know in the capacity of what they were all about. I just knew that Mikey um, had done a couple of videos with them, some sneaker closets, some day, a day in the life um, piece. And then he was telling me about Overtime Larry. So I was like, let me look up this Overtime Larry. So I looked up Overtime Larry on social and I loved his energy, his smile, his beard. Um, I thought he was a good representation of something I wanted to be a part of. I was like, you know, I I was thinking about it, but I still didn't think that it was someplace I wanted to work because I hadn't experienced anything. I hadn't done anything. I hadn't went to the takeover yet. Um, And then I thought about the Sixers and where we were going as an organization and this was around the time when Kawhi Leonard crushed all of our dreams when he hit that shot over Joel with that lucky bounce. And I think that was a defining moment for me because I was like, this year we're winning, the, we're going to the finals. It's over. I know we're going to do this. I'm ready for my Larry O'Brien trophy. I'm ready for the parade. And uh, when Kawhi hit that shot, I literally, I cried. I mean, I had tears because I, we had worked so hard, but I also knew that, um, you know, we were battling a bunch of stuff, you know, internally, just in terms of like injury and, you know, stuff like that. So I just was like, damn, can we do it again? You know, can we get back up there? Like, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff going through my mind. 
And uh, that was the defining moment when I decided, yeah, I'm going to try and do this unconventional thing. Although it was scary, I made up my mind from that point on. And I said, I'm willing to have no job in order to continue to follow the mission that I'm on. And that's to help athletes and to build their image and, and to make sure that they're viewed as people um, that everyone can connect to and understand the deeper story behind athletes versus just the surface level, which is just sports. That's unreal. And how long did, were, were, did you not have a job in between the 76ers and overtime, was it? <laughs> I love these questions. Okay, so. <laughs> I, I, so to give you, to give you uh, some context and to like, let you answer as freely as possible, I have been unemployed for a great distance like before. And uh, we shared that in my episode, but yeah. <laughs> so it's so crazy because the way it all worked, I opened myself up and, and to be vulnerable and to, to be willing to have no job. It kind of worked in my favor because the universe ne never allowed me to not be employed. So I knew I had this plan. So I planned for six months making these job descriptions on what I really wanted to do versus what I was doing currently. Um, and I went into summer league knowing that I wasn't going to come back. You know, I had been going back and forth, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, am I going to stay with the Sixers? Am I going to transition into something that, um, that am I going to build my own business? I wasn't sure where I was at the time, but I knew that like I was done. And so summer league hit and I, you know, carried out all my missions. I still worked. I did everything I was supposed to do. And I got even more clarity when I was in Vegas, having so much fun with all my other friends from different teams and listening to their gripes. You know, like from their, their situations or, you know, maybe things that they didn't like about certain, um, certain parts of the job. I was like, yeah, like, I don't want to be part of this victim thing anymore. I don't want to be part of like meeting up in Vegas and talking about all the things that we don't like. Um, and so just having fun and being light and just going and going to games and, you know, posting whatever I wanted. It was just so free. I was like, Yes, I could be Shay. Like, it's dope. It's crazy. Um, and then that's when um, I got the email back from overtime saying, let's have a conversation. So again, I'm in the summer, still employed. You know, the, the athletes have the summer off. So there was really nothing for me to do with the Sixers. I was still employed by the Sixers. Um, and then I got a call from Elton Brand and he says, Shay, Minnesota wants to interview you for um, uh, assistant GM of the G League team and uh, pro scout. And I was like, what? This is crazy. So now I'm switched back in like, okay, I'm not leaving the NBA. Like <laughs> I'm going to, I'm probably going to go to this other thing. So I wanted to hear it out. I thought that was super cool that they even called. Um, and shout out to Warren Laguerre, who's one of my mentors as well. He runs the summer league. He uh, put in a good word for me who called Elton Brand and then he came back to me. And so I went to Minnesota to interview. It was super dope. Uh, they treated me really well. It was, it was an experience I never had before. So I had overtime kind of in the balance. Like I didn't know what was going to happen with overtime. And then I had Minnesota. We were going back and forth just interviewing and, and getting to know their staff and what they were doing. Um, and then I had the blessing of the Sixers, Elton Brand, saying, Shay, this is a, go a good opportunity for you. Elton Brand was always an advocate of mine, always trying to help me. And, uh, yeah, so I was kind of in this mixture of – in my head I was like, I'm going to have no job. And then I ended up having two other jobs being available. So, yeah. I I was about to say, like in your in your head, were you freaking out, or were you like, "Oh, these are awesome opportunities"? Like, I'm going to figure it out. Like, completely freaking out, completely freaking out, completely <laughs> like, because I don't like upsetting people or disappointing people. And I knew they were all great opportunities, but I was like, you know how sometimes you don't do what's best for you, you do what's best for other other people, just because you don't want to upset them or disappoint them. And so this was one time I was like, no, I got to do what I want to do. 
I have been having these thoughts for a while. And so I was like, Shay, just do what's best for you. And so I just operated from that space and, and made myself happy. And so that was the non-traditional route and the unconventional, which was overtime, which I didn't know much about in terms of like where it was heading, but I knew what they were doing was cool enough and, and the community that they were building. I wanted to be a part of that. Where, where did the, that love of sports as well as like your mission, like when did you realize it was your mission uh, to empower these athletes? So uh, my younger brother, Malcolm Thomas, he played at San Diego state. And when I watched that team with him, Kawhi Leonard, Billy White, DJ Gay, Chase Tapley, uh, James Rohan, um, seeing my brother grow up and seeing what the game did for him as a young black man and how, you know, he had confidence, he had things to do, he was busy, um, the attention that he got. I just saw that, like, that was an opportunity to help facilitate maybe some of the parts of life that weren't able to be explained. Because as an athlete, you spend your whole life uh, performing, working out, you know, you don't get the whole spectrum of what life is really about because you're always on a team. You're wearing a uniform. They're telling you when to eat, where to go, what to do. But there's so many other parts of life that get uh, underdeveloped for athletes. And that's the part I kept focusing on. I was like, okay, well, this is great. I'm watching my brother do these amazing things. I'm seeing him on this high. What's going to happen when that stops? Who's in control of what happens once that high comes down? Even if you make it to the NBA, which he ended up getting um, uh, a ton of contracts in the NBA. He played four years in the NBA, uh, still plays overseas now. It's like, who's going to help that person transition? That's what I was thinking, just forward thinking, like, who's going to help them? And I said, that's going to be me. Because one, I played ball in college. Um, I played ball all my life. But in college, I knew I didn't want to do that anymore afterwards. I didn't want to go pro. I wanted to focus on business aspect of basketball. And then it ended up turning into like basketball operations. And then learning and, and touching athletes every day and picking them up from the airport, hearing their stories, watching coaches being elevated because of certain athletes they may have developed or, you know, plugged in different programs and watching them grow off these athletes. I said, wow, this is such a crazy, intricate experience and a nexus that I wanted to understand even more. And so just watching the different life experiences of different people, it kind of brought me to this space of I'm going to take on this, um, this mission and I'm going to help athletes figure it out. And I'm going to keep them connected with the people that maybe that they don't know, they no longer talk to in the past, but sometimes they have great influential coaches when they're younger and they go on to the NBA and they lose contact. But I'm always going to keep contact with that coach because I know one day they're going to need that coach who they got respect from, who they listened to. Um, I'm going to need them to talk to them again. So it kind of was like a whole, life experience. I don't know. I kind of reflected back on things that I've seen. And then I realized that this is what I wanted to do. And quick side note, we have an extensive research department in this podcast. We could not <laughs> find your Robert Morris stats. We, 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 we searched and searched and could not find them. So really, yeah. I mean, I've never looked to be honest. You I couldn't to... even get game tape. I couldn't even get game film so I can show my kids that I was actually a baller. You know, I'd look for the YouTube highlights too. So, yeah. No, yeah. so literally the year after I graduated is when they finally got like a, a marketing department who actually, you know, how you have those, uh, the rosters online, you can click on the people's picture and a bio. Yeah. yeah. I never got that experience. Yeah, that was what we were looking We We got Jeff and childhood friends' high school ERA and we couldn't get your Division One stats. So, Robert no, Morris, you're needs probably to figure gonna that have out. To, you're probably <laughs> going to call Robert Morris and complain because I definitely had asked my coach, Charlie Bustiali, who's now the head coach. He was the assistant coach at the time. 
I've asked him plenty of times, like, can we like go to the art? And I don't know what kind of film we used. I, I'm sure it wasn't a DVD. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a tape. I'm not sure. But I'm like, I know there's places we can convert the film. They, right? We can like, do it. If, if they need us to, they can shoot it to us. We can do it. No, um, seriously. So maybe you guys can help me with that. <laughs> so I, I'm really interested in what, what brought you into teaching? Because I can see the 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 parallels between, you know, what you're talking about with what that mission is and teaching, but like what, what drew you to it initially? I, I think, I just, I think just caring. Like I've always been a person, like I always laugh because I was a C student in high school, but I was a C student because I was always worried about the well being of others. Like I knew that school was like one part of life, but I also knew I wasn't going to go teach biology to my friends. I knew I wasn't going to go and be a mathlete, you know, um, cause I wasn't into numbers or anything like that. I, I love like foreign languages because I wanted to communicate with other people that weren't like me. That's the only reason why I liked it. So I was the kind of person that would eat with the person who didn't have friends in the hallway at lunch. You know, if I had a friend who was crying, I didn't care if I was late to class or there was a penalty for that because I knew that her, you know, well-being was way more important than me being on time to a class. I just don't really, I'm not interested in. Um, So I've always had that part of me that, was just always caring about other people. And then I always won the most inspirational award on every sports team. I never won like best defensive or like, you know, most three pointers in a game. Like I was always like, she's the girl who's like the rah-rah girl, right? Um, every team and, needs a morale. Every team needs somebody I, who's the morale guy girl. I, exactly. I, have, I have an MIP award from my, I'm in my, I'm in my childhood home. So I, I have an MIP award right, right, right back there. You know, and like, I used to take it as a jab. Like, look, I'm an athlete. Like I'm a baller. I'm a hooper. Like I can shoot, I can do this. I can do that. But then when I started to think about it, I'm like, no, that's the universe talking to me. That's saying, Shay, that's what you're exuding. That's who you are. And so once I started to understand that that was who I was, I just really um, operated from my authentic power and, Teaching is like one of the most genuine, raw experiences you can have with a human being. Like I started to respect kids more and what they had to say. And, you know, I had real conversations and treating them like people versus kids. Um, it, it brought more a light that they were, they were the next generation. Like they're going to show the world what, what it really is. And I love Generation Z just because they know the world without the, I mean, with the internet and not with, you know, before that. Um, and so I love that they can give that experience and they can educate adults. I feel like Gen Z is changing the world. I feel like they care about a lot more social issues, a lot more global issues, um, the environment. I feel like this next generation coming up is just, is amazing. And I, and I, and I just wanted to be a part of like creating a, a way to change the narrative of how people view each other. And, you know, I just wanted to break so many stereotypes and I just wanted to be a part of that. And, and I'm an open-minded person and I care about people. So I don't know. I think teaching has been a part of something that I'm, that's ingrained in me. That's an eight. You get to your first day at overtime and you are, I I think you're one of the first people that I know who actually created their own job. (laughs) Do you, do you you then like, are you creating your own tasks? Like are are things thrown your way? Like what is that first day like or first month kind of orientation look like of creating your own job? So it's been super creative and super like beautiful. Just first of all, overtime wanting me there, not exactly knowing what every day is going to look like, but wanting to build that with me. And I think that's the beauty of, of overtime and as a company. Um, but I sat down with my boss, uh, Brandon Rhodes, shout out to Brandon Rhodes. He's amazing. He's head of strategic partnerships at overtime, um, bringing in a bunch of revenue. Um, but, uh, 
sat down and talked about the mission of overtime and what we're trying to do. And based on my skill set and what I bring to the table and my relationships and my time in the grassroots um, and NBA circles, like understanding how we can bring that and couple it and marry it with overtime. Um, and then there's tons of things. So like feeding products to different influencers and athletes and, and really talking about the mission and what we want to do at overtime to them at these different events. So 50% of my job is traveling, traveling, connecting with people, human connection, which is, which is one of my, my mantras. And, uh, they gave me the leverage and the power to just really go out and create my own experiences and bring that to overtime and really do research in the field, which is what's dope about it and bring field notes. And this is what people are saying. And this is what athletes are saying. They think it's one thing. Okay. Now we have to create a narrative to show them that no, it's not just that it's way more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's a vibe. Um, and I, and I think that's, what's beautiful about it is like a lot of people don't realize that some of these soft skills are, are going to pay off. Right. And some people don't think that that's a job, but overtime knows that that's important because overtime is about building community and about building relationships and maintaining them and keeping lifelong loyal people. And so I think that's kind of how we operate from it's like, we're not going to do the traditional stuff. We're doing untraditional stuff. So we're going to do this. We're going to invest in this person. We're going to invest in the way she likes to do things and we're going to see how it works. And if it doesn't work, we'll reevaluate and we'll do something else. But we know we have a good core. We know how we have a good solid person and we know that she's going to handle this with care and she's not going to abuse it and she's going to bring cool things back from the field. I, I would let you, I would let you just go and run with that. Like, if you give me that pitch, I'd be like, yep. Yep. No, see you in six months. Get her on a plane. <laughs> now, I, I had to put it in a deck just to, to say and tell a story, obviously, right? They're not going to sign up on something that's a fairy tale. Um, but they were open to listening to me and listening to what I wanted to do and, and my mission. And, and it actually aligned with what Overtime's trying to do, right? We're trying to be the biggest sports network. We're trying to connect with athletes um, on a level that not everyone has been able to. And we're not only just trying to tell stories. We're trying to invite them to our cookout. We're trying to invite them to our Thanksgiving. Like we're trying to be friends with these people because they embody the same things that we love. And, you know, sports is a, is a universal thing and we all speak that language. So. Absolutely. And I think working in sports, I, I think David and I both get this where like you get people asking a lot of the same questions and like what people are like, what, in your opinion, like what's a stereotype of athletes that's, completely earned and then what do people completely get wrong about athletes i mean even when the president says like shut up and dribble that they only can dribble mm -hmm. um stuff like that like that's very hurtful mm -hmm. you know um i think recently you know since lebron has you know been a part of the nba he has shed light on all the things education so he talked about humble beginnings in one of his commercials um you know, that, that they just have more, like you see more athletes doing podcasts and being creative and Damian Lillard being a rapper. And I even saw Aaron Gordon, you know, dipping into rap and um, you got Victor Oladipo being a singer that, that there are people, right. And even KD with his injury and, and how people, you know, talked about him badly for switching teams. It's a sports team. He no longer felt like that team served his mission and what he's trying to do. So who cares if he goes to the team that beat him in the finals? You know, like he's a person who still has to have a great quality of life in order to do what he's doing at that high level. And if that team, and a lot of the times NBA teams and things that happen are very secretive. You guys don't know the things that he's been through. You don't know what people are saying to him. You don't know how he relates to his teammates. And, and I guess people don't always factor that in. They always think about it from a fan perspective and that I want you on this team because I'm betting or I, I want to go home every Thursday night or Monday night and see you do this and perform. 
this is not a freaking circus. Like athletes are not, they're there to entertain, but that's not all they're there to do. They're there because they've worked really freaking hard to, you know, overcome all the obstacles. They're, they're there to um, learn about themselves. They're there to, to be around like-minded people who are athletes and people who work hard, you know what I'm saying? Um, which is why you look at Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and say like, damn, like that's why we respect them so much is because they knew that like they only had that amount of time to be that great. And they wanted to, you know, have more than that. Like you see Jordan and what Kobe have done now. It's like their legacy is bigger than basketball. But if you had keep them in the, if you had kept them in the box, you wouldn't know. Like it's just amazing that athletes can do way more once you shed light on that. And once we, as a media, we, we tell people those stories and those backstories and we help people uh, humanize them versus just as entertainers. Like I, I have a hard time keeping in touch with, you know, some of my lifelong friends. Like how do you keep in touch with all the athletes? Like overtime has an unreal network uh, of, of amazing people that I'm sure you've met. Like how do you keep in touch with all of them? Yeah. So it's a collective. I mean, we all, all, so I think everybody's an athlete relation, everybody. So it's not just one thing. I mean, I take it upon myself just because I'm super passionate about it, but everybody is a part of that, right? So we all have different relationships with different athletes. You know, some on the content team who are DMing them every day or, you know, commenting on their pictures or making sure we stay visible in their lives. And not only when great things happen, but when sad things happen, like even being in quarantine. You know, I feel like we've done a great job as overtime to show up on our platform and show that we're there for athletes. Um, so it's, it's a part of everyone's experience. And I think, just we have meetings, we have small groups, we have big groups, and we all just take it upon ourselves to, hey, did you talk to this athlete? Did you see this? And we share the different news that happens, you know, like Jalen Green going to, you know, the G League and stuff like that. Like we all share that responsibility to communicate and talk about athlete news or talk about what athletes are doing. And even parents, like we say, oh, Jalen's mom did this, or oh, you know, Jalen Suggs did this, and his mom was, uh, you know, she shouted us out, or. So we all constantly just take it upon ourselves and we keep um, a database and we just make sure we know when people's birthdays are, you know, we make sure, you know, if someone got injured, you know, we want to send them a, a nice gift basket and say, we're thinking of you and, and that we're still here for you. And that even though you're injured, we can still find content for you to do on overtime while you're in the bed with your leg up, you know, something like that. So I think we all keep it. We all take it as um, a pride thing and that we love our athletes. And so everyone just takes it upon themselves and we communicate with each other very well. And uh, we had uh, overtime Tom on. Let's see that. I think that I think that was yesterday. I wanted to ask you, what's what's maybe a part of his story that maybe like for whatever, maybe he's just too humble, or what? What what's a part of his story that maybe he didn't tell us that maybe you what you would want to highlight after working with him for a little bit? <laughs> That's dope. And so we also had this thing called the Over OT Club, and Tom is usually one of the speakers in OT Club to talk to kids about the different paths to get to careers that not not necessarily are obvious right? Like his job is not an obvious one. He's head of content, you know, or social. Um, and so I would say that Tom, he's super, super dedicated to overtime and building and growing our audience. He has not taken a break from posting on any of the social channels since he started. And I think three years ago, right? I just got there. Yeah. So like three years ago, he has not taken a break. And I think he is extremely hardworking. He's very um, open and transparent about his story. Like 
He said, did he tell you guys that he uh, went on Google and looked for an internship and like scrolled to the 50th page? Yeah, he said, he said, yeah, he said, what nobody on the first 49 pages would touch him. <laughs> yeah, scroll to that 50th page and like click that thing and, and then reached out and it was super dope to hear that story. But I think that he's super hardworking and he is going to have a wealth of knowledge for athletes on how they can build their brand and their socials. And I think what he's doing is invaluable because we don't all know how to do that. If we all know how to do that. We'd start social channels now and we grow and we learn how to monetize and we figure it out. But I think um, he takes incredible amount of pride in what he does and he's really good at his job and shout out to him for just growing our TikTok, growing our, our um, Instagram to what it is. Like, I just think that's super admirable, but he's hardworking and I don't know if he, he would categorize it as that. I think he thinks he's just posting on social, but no, that's dedication and commitment. That's awesome. Have you ever tried to get the TikTok password from him? He said that's like his like prized possession. <laughs> I don't touch anything that has to do with social just because I know that that's his baby. And so I don't ask. Nope. I don't try it. I don't touch it. Some things you just know and that I don't, I don't even bother. But I, don't have, I don't have a reason to either. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm fresh out of questions, David. Yeah, I was just going to ask one more. Like, you know, since you're doing all this traveling, like what is some of the – what has been your best experience or since you've started overtime? Uh, what game? Just wanted to ask you that. I don't even think I've had my best experience yet. I mean, I've only been there since September. Uh, but I will say hitting all the major sporting events that I love to watch on TV and being there physically – being at Super Bowl, being at All-Star. Uh, I was headed to McDonald's. I was headed to the Women's Final Four. Like, you know, I'm going to go to Summer League. So I guess doing all the things that I love wrapped up in one, uh, which is sporting events and connecting with people, I think that's the dopest part of my job. Um, and I don't take it for granted. And it's not one of those things that, like, I, I think that it's specific to what I'm doing just because I'm, I'm always in the community. I'm always talking to people. I'm always taking notes. I'm always understanding what our community is saying, not necessarily the young community, but people in business, people in sports, uh, people who are, are curious about overtime, but don't necessarily know what questions to ask. And so I feel like when they see me or when they see me on, on social, they're like, yeah, overtime is a vibe because Shay's having the best time of her life. And though it looks all cool and dandy, it's like, it's, it's exhausting talking, right? And, and being out there and being on and talking to people um, so I'd say I haven't experienced the best part yet. I, I haven't done, I had done the takeover as a part of a family member, but now I can't wait to do it as an employee and to see what that side is like. So I think I, I got a lot more to go. I don't know. That's unreal. And where can people find you? Like, where can they follow you? Where, uh, this, this is the plug, plug, plug section. I love it. Um, so you can find me at Overtime Shay on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, I also have another um, Instagram that I'm trying to grow. Well, I don't know if I'm trying to grow it, but it exists. Uh, and that's the Shade Austin experience. And the Shade Austin experience is my personal mission to make sure that everyone has the best personal uh, human experience they can have with me person to person. Um, and so that's going to be something that I transition to maybe later on in life. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, and I also have another channel called Lovers Live Here. And that's all about love and the world and all the rainbows and sunshine stuff that I love. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Shay, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I, so much value. I can't even, I can't, can't, even, can't even pick a word to wrap it all up. Shay is living proof that, like, how the fuck did you get that job? Just create it, uh, which is unbelievable. So. The, best, the, well, one of the best answer we've gotten to it, to the question so far. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, and I don't think I'll ever accept another job as a description that's already, you know, I'll always try to tweak it or I'll always try to figure out a way to make it true to me so that I can kill it and that I can be uh, valuable to the company that I'm going to work for and not just have a job. And I think in 2020, you don't have to do that. I don't think you have to conform to what the world has always been used to. I think this is a time to be a disruptor and a time to do things differently and to create new normals because especially after this COVID, like you're never going to be able to go back to the traditional things in the first place. So I'd say for all the people out there listening to this or watching this, it's like, what can you add? you know, to the world? How can you add value to a company? Do your research, of course. Uh, see how their mission statement wraps up with your mission statement and then marry the two and be compelling and also use your relationships. Your people, your your relationships give you the power, right? And so it's not about name dropping or anything like that, but doing it in an organic way and building relationships. Like I met you at the freaking Facebook headquarters, you know, just at, what was it? Like the intermission? We like were drinking. Yeah, it was like talking. lunchtime or something. I don't know what it was. Right. And I was open. I'm open. You know, I love people. I'm open. And so a lot of people are closed in and not talking to people. Yeah. And, you know, uh, just, I'm going to throw this Facebook thing and I'm just going to, you know, listen to the information and leave. And it's like, no, you know, as long as you meet one good person, I had no idea you're going to hit me up about a podcast. And here we are. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to be friends from here on out. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. And, I, and and what you did, right. When I got, I got there, like, I didn't know too many people. I'm only two years into the industry. So I'm not like 10 years. Hey, like wheeling dealing saying, Hey, what's up to everybody. So I just introduced okay. myself to you. And I will say that you were one of the only people that was like, everybody knows it's awkward to be at a, a networking event, but, but just being like, Hey, let's decide not to make this awkward. Let's just like, let's just get to know each other. Right. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's just, let's be human. Right. Yeah, let's, like, just like, like, let's just talk. Um, you have but, hair, I have hair, I have a yeah. nose, you have a nose, like what the hell? Like, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but Shay, thanks so much for hopping on. Uh, we we're still trying to figure out how to end this podcast. Um, but <laughs> we, we still, we do this, Right, help us. Yeah, help, help us. us. Help we, us. Haven't, we haven't done it. We haven't done that good job uh, yet. Yeah, it's been great. All right. <laughs> Namaste, but I think you guys plug yourself too. I think you guys let people know what you're trying to do, what your mission is. And like I said in the beginning, stay true to yourself, be authentic, which this name is great. Like if people don't get it, they shouldn't be on this podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys are dope and you're doing something great for people and, and trying to add value to people's lives. How the hell did you get that job? How the fuck did you get that job? You know, it's like, we want to know because we're trying to do what you're doing you're not only empowering athletes but you're now empowering uh mid mid mid-level podcasters so i i I appreciate i appreciate that okay i have a prediction right now that this is going to be one of the top podcasts out there i already know it i can tell it's super raw and authentic and that's what people want to hear so call it now you're the first one you're the first quote so we're gonna put that on and and go from there but it's 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 two quotes it's shays and then right above that it's pete carroll i do not want to <laughs> I love the fact that I'm in the same sentence with Pete Carroll is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you know who? Yeah, like Adam Schefter is our is who we're going. He said he wasn't against doing it. So <laughs> that's the best. That's the best response we've gotten. <laughs> well, All right, for real. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, yeah, honestly. No problem. Hit me up anytime, anything you need. Enjoy it down there. Enjoy the good weather. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be meeting in person soon. Yeah.